0: Hey, what did you do this weekend? Oh, oh!
1: <laughs> hey, I forgot about mentioning that. We should probably post something about it because it was we, like a whole big thing. You're right. I suppose we could. Did it's we like take any Q pics? I think we did. Anyway, guys, I got married. Yay! Um, I know it's like soup's weird. A lot of people listening to this were like, "Yeah, Taylor, we, we were know. there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we saw it happen." Most
1: of your listenership is your friends. Um, well, but yes, we had a show. Emily and I were both in the show along with many of our friends. Yeah. And then at the end of the show, we did a wedding, and that was cool. Might have been post uh, two shots of Malort. Have we talked uh, about Malort on this podcast? We have
0: not. I only did one that night, and yeah. I was fine with that. That's the third shot of Malort I've ever done in my life. Not that's doesn't... three too many. Yeah, that is. Yes. But... um.
1: I think I've maybe had probably close to ten now. Probably, yeah. Um, if anybody doesn't know, Malort is a drink f- like made with wormwood. I think. Yeah. And it is from Chicago. So if you're from Chicago, you you know this already. You know already.
0: what's up. And it it's fucking, supposed to like calm your stomach if you yes. have an upset stomach. That's what you're supposed to take a shot of, like Jaeger. like. I usually do a shot of rumple if I'm downtown and I have an upset stomach.
1: That's a good idea. And it usually works. That's the only good thing about Malort is that you never feel like vomiting no matter how much your mouth tells you you should. Yeah. (laughs) Because we've decided as a group that it's basically like drinking if you poured gasoline all over a ball of rubber bands and then lit it on fire. And then you ate that. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. So that was bad. That was a bad idea. But the rest dumb. of it
0: was pretty good. The rest of it was pretty good. <laughs> Your dad provided a lot of cheese. There was so much was cheese. proud of him as the cheese king. Absolutely. For providing us his loyal subjects with yes. cheese. He fulfilled his necessary he duties. Did. He did. And it was delicious cheese.
1: It was. And I have much of it in my fridge still. <gasps> yeah. So we're finally here.
0: We are. This um, has been a whole week.
1: This will be the latest we've ever recorded before a podcast has to come up We're pushing the
0: boundaries guys. we are really
1: pushing it is a it's Thursday
0: a <laughs> <The laughs> podcast comes out
1: tomorrow, yeah, we'll see um I'm gonna do my damnedest, and I hope like. Both of us, I think this time, have some pretty concise shit for the most I part. I have under
0: six notes for a serial killer with 15 victims. Awesome. That's really... Because I knew we were on a crunch.
1: And all, that was kind of my thing is I was planning on maybe doing two mini stories and I was like, no, just do one. Just do one. Don't hurt yourself. Yep. So we're going to do our best. Okay. Well, we're drinking some champs. We are. because yes. Taylor got married. Yes. And plus, we just really like champagne. So and we did excuse. the show. Yeah. And we did a real good job. I'm done
0: with two of my five commitments Then the month of August.
1: Huzzah. Um, we're just going to be busy until the end of time. And yet we, we still die. do this. Yeah. Till we die. Yeah. Sleep is for the dead. Which one of us is going first this week? Um, I think it's you? I think it's me. Okay.
0: I usually go first on the more serious episodes.
1: Now, because we switched it up on the horrible Japanese episode, which several of our friends have discussed with us was really fucked up for them. (laughs) Bubbers was like, I had to stop multiple times and be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Us too.
0: Yeah, that one took me like three days to research. Yeah. It was a lot. We still apologize for how hard that was. That one... I never want to go to that place again. Yeah, no, we we won't. I need to leave the dark corners of the internet alone.
1: Yeah, let's. Um, But this is another kind of dark one.
0: Yeah. We had our I mean, I only had to, like, get into the light dark corners of the internet. So.
1: So I hear you have a serial killer for us. I do. I'm so stoked.
0: And... I lied about the cannibalism. I actually went a different route for today, knowing I needed something a little more concise. You son of a bitch. All right. Surprise! Another time. <laughs> Happy wedding! We're not <laughs> doing cannibalism.
1: I get, like, part of me is disappointed, but it's like... It's still
0: bad!
1: You'll get back to it another time.
0: here's what I wrote at the top. All right. So I didn't do the cannibalism. I did one I was waiting on that has something much worse. No. There's still some cooking that goes on. But also, necrophilia.
1: Okay, I was... That was, you said worse than cannibalism, and I was like, mm, fucking dead bodies. Uh-huh. Yep.
0: <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Oh, no. We're not really going to talk about that, though, so, like, don't worry. I'm We're only st- going to lightly touch on it.
1: Okay, no, I'm still worried. Still worried about it.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Okay, let's start with a quote. Oh,
1: God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when under pressure of work and extreme pain of social loneliness and utter misery, I'm drawn compulsively to a means of temporary escape from reality. This is achieved by taking increased amounts of alcohol and plugging in stereo music, which mentally removes me to a high plane of ecstasy, joy, and tears. Sounds like everyone. This is a totally emotional experience. I relive experiences from childhood to present, taking out the bad bits. When I take alcohol, I see myself drawn along and moved out of my isolated prison flat. I bring with me people who are not always allowed to leave because I want them to share my experiences and high feeling. All right, so one thing about that. You can tell...
1: Okay, a lot of things about that, but... The one thing that really sticks out to me is that you can tell that that is a horrible serial killer because that is like a totally normal thing to do is get kind of drunk and turn on the stereo and just like dance around and like, yeah, but he's making it sound like it's so like, it's such a big fucking deal because it's him and he's amazing and wonderful and you could never understand the things he does.
0: Like, I hate that. See, I thought you were going to mention that last bit. Yeah, that too. Where he says he brings people in who aren't always allowed to leave.
1: I mean, that part is the part where you're like, that's definitely a serial killer and not just your regular narcissist. Yeah. But I was just immediately struck by how mundane that activity is and how elevated the prose sounds. Yeah. Get that stick out of your butt, whoever you are.
0: Dennis Nielsen. Hi,
1: Dennis Nielsen. That sounds familiar. That
0: was from his written statement. Oh, gross. So he was active around the same time as the Yorkshire Ripper. Oh. In London. Okay. So he was active between 1978 and 1983. He was convicted of six counts of murder and two of attempted murder. But he's suspected of killing up to 15 or 16 people. Is it because they
1: would confuse him in the Yorkshire Ripper? Cause... No. Oh, wow. No. It I'm going
0: seems... to I'm, yeah, I'm get into that. It's... There's
1: a lot going on at that time. Yeah. Woof.
0: Yeah. So he... I'm going to talk a little bit about him. Just to kind of set set the scene because mm-hmm. I have four survivors I'm going to talk about. Sweet. He was he was not good at this. Like, yeah, I was going to say I can't believe four whole people survived. So he used to be a soldier in the army, and he was a police officer.
1: Oh god. So
0: he, you know, he was a law-abiding citizen, sure. sort of, if you squint and don't pay <laughs> attention to the murder part. And it's fifty
1: yards away, and yeah. we and we've... it's
0: dark outside. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's a blizzard. Yeah. And there's a bear. (laughs) There's always a bear in the blizzard. There's always a bear in the blizzard. Um, We need better screening processes for these things. We
0: do. Well, I mean, it was, at this point, the 70s. 60s and 70s. What screening process? What screening process? (laughs) He was gay, but his family didn't approve of it. And he had a very dark, very taboo sexual desire. Can you guess what it was? Is it fucking dead bodies? Uh-huh. Ew. Ew. He'd been fantasizing about it for many years. Like, what? Like, as a kid? His whole life? Like, like a long time. Uh, and in 1978, he got to it. Now, he has, like I said, four, at least four survivors. So, his first victim was a 14-year-old boy. Uh, and the only reason I'm going to talk about this is because we've got some elements of other serial killers... That it's like, oh, oh, this is weird. This is really weird. So he invited the 14-year-old Stephen Holmes back to his house, strangled him, and then drowned him. Great. That was his MO. He liked to strangle people first, and then he drowned them afterwards.
1: So what, he just didn't want to strangle them to death? He was just like, I'm tired. They'll yeah. drown him now they're them, unconscious.
0: Yeah, and then drown them once they're unconscious. Lazy. And then he masturbated over Holmes's dead body, Curls. and then hid his body underneath the floorboards. All right, Casey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hmm
1: Excuse me, we already have one of those? Dennis, find your own Dennis. thing.
0: So 10 months after Stephen, we meet our first survivor. His name was Andrew Ho. He was lured back to Dennis's apartment with a promise of sex. He did manage to escape, and Dennis was questioned by the police but Andrew decided not to press charges, which left Dennis <laughs> okay. open to kill again. Oh, no, Andrew. And instead of waiting ten months, he waited two months. So he killed again, went on with his murder spree. Yeah, because he's escalating now, so Yeah, why not? he's speeding up. So any bodies that he didn't put under his floorboard, because at one point he moves, and he kind of, like, Does he just- runs out of he doesn't have a garden to bury bodies in anymore or floorboards to put them under. So he starts dismembering the bodies and then boiling parts of them on the stove. No.
1: Yes. Oh, the stench.
0: Yes. I
1: think I th- talked about that a couple episodes too. That's for whatever reason, always the first thing that, that comes was to the mind. horrible
0: episode we talked yes. about because he did that as well.
1: I, all I could think about was how bad it smelled in there and yeah. this too. And also yeah. did he just leave the bodies under the floorboards when he moved? Because I mean, he always... also put
0: them in like Tupperware containers and garbage bags. <sighs> and it was a real bad smell. Yeah. And then he'd pour like what he could down the drain, which comes into play later.
1: Oh, no. He
0: was not good at this. Dennis. But like he wasn't bad. I mean, you're going to get mad when I tell you why he was caught. Oh, God. <laughs> so on to our next survivor. 21-year-old drag artist Carl Stotter was invited back to Dennis's flat with a promise of drinking and sex and then hanging out. Oh, God. So while Carl was sleeping, Dennis tried to strangle him with the zip that it detached from a sleeping bag they were sharing. Quote, When he attacked me, I was jolted awake to find the zip wrapped tightly around my neck. I presumed I'd become tangled in my sleep, but Nielsen was behind me, kneeing me in the back and telling me to keep still.
1: Oh, God. At
0: first, I thought he was trying to free me, but of course, I was being strangled. <laughs> I like how he's so forgiving there for like, the first oh, ten oh, seconds. oh, you're trying to help me. Oh, you are not trying to help me. No. Oh, God, I have, I have
1: miscalculated this yeah. situation.
0: The pain was incredible. No air was going into my lungs, and all I could feel was the teeth of the zip digging into my neck as he pulled it tighter. I briefly felt blood from the wound trickling over my skin, and then I passed out.
1: I know I said Gacy, but it's definitely Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But he's worse at killing them. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So Dennis then tried to finish a job by doing his typical drowning in the bathtub. Yeah. But he had a change of heart. What? Let me tell you why. Let's take a slight tangent down memory lane of the 1970s and 80s.
1: Absolutely. I'm here for it.
0: Nielsen had a dog. Uh Uh-huh. A black and white little mutt with one eye named Bleep.
1: No, that's too yes. cute. No,
0: he's not allowed yes. to have a dog named Bleep. No, he is totally allowed to have a dog named Bleep, and no. let me tell you why. It's so cute, though. Listen, Ugh. Bleep had, like, no issue with the dead bodies in the apartment, I guess, but she could still sense when someone had, like, life in them because she fucking saved Carl daughter What? Bleep? She licked him and alerted him that, like, waking him up, oh, and shit. that's when Neil... Nielsen figured out that he was still alive and then helped him.
1: Really? Instead of just, because, okay, he likes to kill them when they're unconscious. Yes. It's easy. So yes. when they wake up, it's like, never mind. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Bleep saved this dude, and <gasps> Bleep. Bleep does not get a lot of recognition. You know what? And I'm so mad, and we're just not going to talk about what happened to the dog, because it's real sad. Okay,
1: let's not talk about it, but you know what? In On this podcast, Bleep is a hero.
0: Bleep is a fucking hero. Bleep
1: will forever be a hero. All hail Bleep. All hail Bleep. Long live
0: wait. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) That's not. No. Shit. Yeah. So after the doggo alert, Nielsen took Carl back into the bedroom, wrapped him in blankets, put him in front of a heater. And then two days later, Carl fully regained consciousness. Whoa. Like he was close to death.
1: Why are the blankets in the heater? What is he? Hypothermic? cold. It's just he's, he's a cold boy. Drown him. A t- he's a cold boy for
0: two whole days. He's out.
1: <laughs> he was probably really overheated yeah. when he woke up.
0: So Nielsen let Carl go, and Carl went straight to the fucking hospital. Like a smart person. Yeah. Good boy. He was treated for burst blood vessels in his face. Oh. Water in his lungs and cuts to his neck.
1: Yeah, sounds like you've been strangled and then almost drowned. Drowned, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Great.
0: Two weeks later, Carl went to the police. Two weeks. Two weeks. I'm sorry, you said two weeks. Two weeks, but the cops didn't take him seriously. Oh, maybe because this he... was the 70s and 80s, and he was and a drag he was gay. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Ugh. So this was in the 80s because he was one of the last victims. Because Nielsen then killed two other people before he was finally arrested.
1: What? Yeah. Hey Nielsen. Yeah. You moved quick, but not good. I don't, why are there so many of those? I don't know. I swear to God, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy I did where it's like, I don't know how he killed so many people before getting caught. He just kept doing it so much.
0: He like, honestly, <laughs> like, Nielsen, if he'd been smarter about it, would have kept going because the cops, this is okay. Let's, let's just tangent real quick. Cause you're about to get mad. Oh no. The cops had no idea there was an active serial killer in London. But they had no idea. Didn't,
1: didn't you just say the Yorkshire Ripper was also happening?
0: In I Yorkshire. Mean, sure, but like, but not in London. So they're
1: not thinking... They, he
0: he they, wasn't leaving bodies out on the street. He was burying the bodies or putting them under the floorboards yeah. or... Pouring them down the drain.
1: And the only victims are gay men. So it's like... Or
0: homeless people. Yeah. He also targeted homeless people. Uh, Yeah. So they weren't paying attention to who was going missing. Right. Of course not. They didn't see a pattern. It's just like... Because... Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Yeah. Fuck. So... He gets caught because his flushing body parts and things down toilets and down the drain. Uh, he's just putting, like, bones and shit in a toilet and flushing like it down he, the drain. Okay, this is going to be gross, guys. This is going to be really, really gross. Oh, but yeah. I learned about it, and this means you need to learn about it, too. Mm-hmm. He would take the heads and put them in pots <laughs> to boil them <laughs> to get rid of the brains. Ew. Like,
1: those pots are so gross. Those pots are so
0: gross. You know you never and clean those point, pots. At one point, he tried to, like, flush a whole limb down a toilet. It didn't work. Toilets aren't that powerful. No, no. Arms aren't designed to go down toilets. A particularly large shit
1: can destroy a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't take much. Those are supposed to go in there. <laughs> also, okay. We don't have a dishwasher here, so you know how sometimes you'll like you'll be like there's a lot of shit in this pot. I'm just going to soak it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then like your shit gets busy and you end up leaving it for too long and then it's disgusting and you yep. would rather just throw that pot away than ever, ever, ever deal with what's in there. Yep. There's no way he washed these pots. I'm just saying there's no fucking way he washed no. those pots.
0: All of this flushing and draining of things that aren't supposed to go down those holes caused a large blockage in the pipes.
1: Seems like there's a lot of holes that shouldn't have things in them in this one. Yeah. Like dead ones. <laughs>
0: Listen, okay, this is... I think I cut this out, but, like, one of his first dead bodies that he kept under the floorboards, he kept taking it out for a month. Ugh. And he put it next to him on the couch and watched TV. Ew, it's so stinky. It's so gross. His skin is getting all, like... Decomposition is not a pretty thing. At one point, you just, like, poke it a little bit, yeah, and, its and skin like, just, like,
1: comes out. And the out. gases, Ugh. and, like,
0: all of this, like, it's all... It's not good. It's not something that... You should actively want to watch unless you want to go into this field. Right. Like, are you taking gross anatomy? Like. Uh, otherwise, no. Stop it. I had a dream when I was like 15 to go to the University of Tennessee because they had a body farm.
1: Yuck. You na- I mean, you're nasty, but like. We knew that. You ain't Dennis Nielsen nasty, No, so. I'm
0: not keeping them under the floorboards. This would be a <laughs> controlled environment. That's not mine.
1: I mean, I guess.
0: I didn't kill them. Maybe if this existed... I'm just observe, observing those <laughs> stages of decomposition.
1: Totally normal. Fine. Totally normal it's thing fine. To it's own. fine. Maybe if Dennis Nielsen had had access to a body farm, he, he wouldn't have done no, this. No,
0: because he would have gotten kicked out of school for fucking one of the dead bodies. Yeah. Okay. That's, but
1: <laughs> That's not good. Okay, but did you hear or more, more recent, the short, the mini-sodes of My Favorite Murder? Yes. They talk about, like, the somebody's dad had to take a body down to the morgue, but it, he was a guy and it was a female body, and they can't do that unaccompanied because apparently dudes fuck female corpses a lot. Yes.
0: So... It's actually an issue. I mean, we're going to get back on track. Sorry. So he's putting stuff down the drain. Yeah, and it causes a large blockage. Nielsen had the audacity... To complain about the blockage to the waste company.
1: No. And ask
0: for someone to come and look at it. Because both <laughs> he and the other residents were suffering. Because they couldn't flush the toilets anymore? Right. <laughs> so, the company that came to look at it is called Dino Rod. Uh-huh.
1: What, e- what, e- what uh-huh. does that mean? Uh-huh.
0: Dino Rod. So, can you imagine just like... Go into work that day. At Dino Rod? At Dino Rod. <laughs> Great you're poor just, name. You're just here to unclog <laughs> some some blocked drains and maybe check out like a sewer pump or like whatever sure. the hell it's called. I don't Regular know. I don't ass do shit. plumbing things. Yeah,
1: not a clue. That's why plumbers exist. Yeah.
0: I am not one. I know there's like an L pipe, maybe. I might be making <laughs> it up. <laughs> I, I think don't they know. have those. <laughs> Sure, one of them's shaped like an L. So, it's 1983. This average worker at Dino Rod comes out to look at why the drains are plugged. He discovers what appears to be human flesh and bone fragments when he opened a drain cover that was outside the property.
1: So, it's just sitting there. Like, it ain't even hard to see it.
0: No. so. that's... He leaves and comes back the next day with his supervisor. Not the police, huh?
1: Just his supervisor. We're not there
0: yet. (laughs) Comes back with his supervisor. They look at another section of pipe and find the bones of a human hand.
1: Oh, my God.
0: At which point they then alerted the police. Okay. They now had enough evidence to be like, oh,
1: oh, oh. If I were Dennis, I'd be watching these proceedings like, that guy looked freaked out, and he ran away. Mm. Oh, that guy's back again this time with somebody who appears to be in charge. They are very freaked out. They are on their phone. I should go <laughs> like
0: so they alerted the police who then arrested Nielsen when he got back home from work that day.
1: Ah, uh, ha, ha ha. Work foiled and him again, and
0: while he was in custody, he casually like I watched some of the interviews with him. He was just so chill. He just casually admitted to killing at least 15 people. He just seems like a guy who's like, Yeah, it's fine. You can stop me
1: now. Like, <laughs>
0: like he took them on a tour of the house and showed them where he was hiding the bodies Great. and, like, talked through it all. It was just very nonchalant. Weird. Yeah. And it- the cops were kind of flabbergasted because, again... They had no idea there was a serial killer on the loose right now. Right. He, if he had, he could have gone on for so long. Seriously. Seriously. If
1: he just hadn't put shit in the pipes, he would have been forever. Like, yeah. Yeah. What an idiot. Thank God.
0: So he goes to trial and we hear from some of the other survivors who all testify. Carl Stodder testified. Oh, he was one of the last ones to testify. They also heard testimony from Douglas Stewart, who met him, who met Dennis in uh, November of 1980. Um, He'd come home with him and then woke up in Nielsen's flat with his ankles bound and Nielsen trying to strangle him. He managed to overpower Nielsen. Nice. And then Stewart testified that Nielsen shouted, take my money. I don't... What? I don't know. And the quote from the prosecution is, the prosecution attested that this reflected Nielsen's rational, cool presence of mind in that Nielsen hoped to be overheard by other tenants. So then when Stewart left, there'd be possible witnesses saying, oh, we heard him yelling, take my money. So he was being robbed.
1: That makes some sense. Man, why is he so dumb and occasionally smart? So... Stewart went to the police. Oh, no. And nothing happened. They
0: questioned Nielsen. What? They only got conflicting details, so the police dismissed the case as a lover's quarrel. Oh, my God. That's three times the police have fucked up. Just because they just don't take either
1: of them seriously. Yep. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the next survivor was Paul Knobs.
1: Great name, Knobs.
0: Yep. Who testified that he he went with Nielsen willingly to his first house in Cranley Gardens for the promise of alcohol and sex.
1: The one that's full of, boys full of under bodies the floorboards.
0: and gardens. His nice. gardens is full of bodies.
1: Who is isn't honestly? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mine is. That's,
0: that's how I garden. Yeah. Yeah, so he woke up in the early hours of the morning with a terrible headache, went to wash his face, noticed his eyes were bloodshot, and his face was super red. Nielsen casually exclaims, God, you look bloody awful! <laughs> And then advised him to go see a doctor. He tried to strangle him and And could not fucking do it. (laughs) And he's like,
1: oh, you look bad. Oh, shit. You might be sick or something.
0: Oh.
1: Oh, how did you just wake up like that?
0: He did not go to the police because he didn't want his homosexuality to come out.
1: Yeah, that's another understandable thing. Yeah. Oh, my God, though.
0: Yeah. I have one last survivor. So, surprise, like, fifth survivor, I think. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh. Toshimitsu Ozawa. He was one of... He was in 1981. He was December 31st, 1981. New Year's Eve, he was a neighbor of Nielsen's.
1: Unfortunate.
0: And they were invited to Nielsen's flat, but Nielsen looked drunk, and it freaked them out, so they were just like, no, we're good. So they, they heard Nielsen leave the house and then come home with someone. And then they heard a loud noise upstairs. Someone came running down, sobbing. And that just happened to be Toshimitsu Ozawa. Oh, shit. So the neighbor saw Toshimitsu leaving the apartment. Toshimitsu told the police <sighs> he thought Nielsen was going to kill him. Uh-huh. Because he had approached him with a tie stretched between his hands there was no follow up investigation no what uh... so over the years of 1978 to 9 at least 1982 there were at least five reports to the police about this man the same guy the same guy these
1: guys probably weren't even taking fucking notes no because if he lives in the same place it's yeah. all the same, cops. It's all the same. Like, they would all be like, you know, I feel like we've heard about this guy before. Yeah, but who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, that is the shoddiest police work. Yeah. And that's not even this country. No. Which is what surprises me the
0: most. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, he was imprisoned for life. He's now dead. He died this year. Really? Really? Yes. by Dennis. Maybe that's
1: why I've heard of him. Maybe that's why the name is Maybe familiar. Maybe recently.
0: Yeah, because he, uh, he died in, like, May of this year. So there was probably some information that came back out.
1: Cool. Suck he it, Dennis. He also was, like,
0: trying to write a book where he was telling more about his victims and, like, naming some other victims. Might have been and bullshit. And he went through, a, like, sexual rehabilitation program. And he basically, in an interview, called it a crock of shit. You're a crock of shit, Dennis. Yeah, that's why I was like, Dennis, please shut up, sir. Yeah, honey. don't. Stop it. Your time is over. You can't talk about this. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that was the survivors of Dennis. He was caught because he fucked up and he got overconfident. And unfortunately not because
1: all of the victims, except for one who was understandable, they did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, one of them took two weeks. But I can under- again, I can understand there's and a I don't stigma. Know if he was
0: hospitalized. Right.
1: Or- He's, you know, gotta find the time to do it when no one will find out or something. Yeah. Like, totally understandable. They all did like the best they could, yeah. and it came to nothing because they happen to be gay. Garbo. Garbo. Trash.
0: hmm
1: Yeah, him and Jeffrey really should talk.
0: Maybe they're talking in hell. Probably. I don't think
1: you can hear much over the screams, but Maybe they might be trying.
0: Maybe we should go on that tour that's in Milwaukee that does like the Jeffrey Dahmer site. Ew. And then there's a weird there is. Oh, God, it's so it's so fucked up. It grosses me out so much. It's so fucked up because they they have someone who like tries to have like divining rods to communicate with the spirit. Oh, shut the fuck up. I wish I was fucking joking. (laughs) (laughs) That is Garbo. Trying to like talk to Jeffrey Dahmer and you've got all of these fangirls who are like, If I just spent time with Jeffrey, I could have changed him. And it's like, guys, he He was
1: gay. (laughs) A really nice guy couldn't have changed him either. No like he didn't he was fucked up. All
0: of these people are straight fucked up. Stop trying to change them. I want to go on that tour. Uh, no. I want to make that tour guide hate their life. (laughs) And then I want to ask when they pull out the divining rods. I want to ask if he's talking to Dennis Nielsen right now, if they're comparing notes. (laughs) Yes. And if Richard Ramirez is with them. Oh, yeah. And now Manson, because he's dead, too.
1: Yeah. Deez.
0: And then I'll just ask them to just make them all commune and come down.
1: I'd like to think they're all getting tortured in the same way, in the same chamber of hell together. Yeah. Have fun down there, guys. (laughs) Awesome. I feel like those ones are always a little fun because serial killers are kind of kooky.
0: They're real weird.
1: Yeah. This isn't fun. No. I, I apologize. I do. I, do
0: I, I apologize.
1: I do have to say our survivor is adorable and very upbeat. So at least there's that. Cool. So we're going to talk about human trafficking. <laughs> Woo! Real Woo! happy. Yeah. Our survivor's name is Christine McDonald. And a little bit of background. Part of the reason why I'm working on this is because I was just sort of Googling around like you do when you're trying to get ideas. Yep. Yeah. And I kind of stumbled upon human trafficking as an idea. And many of you are probably aware, but we're talking about that a lot recently.
0: Super a lot.
1: A whole bunch. Like, in general, in the country and around the world, for sure. Because the number of reports of human trafficking has risen every year for the last several years. So people are like... Huh. Interesting. Might be a problem, finally. Um, With people calling into, like, hotlines or to the police departments to report that they have witnessed trafficking or that they are victims themselves. Like, that is just going up and up and up, especially since, like, 2016. So, for those who don't know, there's a lot of talk happening in the Midwest right now because there's, like, a ring. There's a trafficking ring going on. There's a trafficking ring. And it is hitting in our area everywhere, like, sort of in the, like... Northeastern Iowa into eastern Minnesota into western and central Wisconsin. Yeah. Tr- like just on the highway. Wherever you can get from the highway, they stop.
0: And There's they conveniently people- have a mall right off the highway. Yeah, it's
1: real good. Yeah. Um, And they take pictures of people. They talk on the phone and see like, do you want this one? Do you want this one?
0: And then they went for try to pick by people their
1: up. car. Yep. Uh, there was an attempted um, kidnapping in Lafarge, Wisconsin. Not too long ago, because... Uh,
0: nothing exciting ever happens in Lafarge. Nothing.
1: There's like 2,000 people there. Yeah. So, uh, But anyway, there's a lot going around. There's missing women in Iowa. Some of it is not connected in any way, but some of it people some are like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so the Midwest, because it's like it's largely connected by this series of interstate highways that mm-hmm. do connect all the major cities in the area. You can get from the Twin Cities to Madison to Milwaukee to Chicago... You can pass through Dubuque and even down to St. Louis if you want to. Like It's not that hard to get anywhere. Um, And then there's a lot of small towns on these stops along the way where you can just kind of pick people the fuck up. Mm -hmm. So I do want to be clear about another thing. Human trafficking, when we talk about that... A lot of people equate that immediately with sex trafficking. because not the
0: same thing. Not exactly,
1: yeah. Because while all sex trafficking is human trafficking, not all human trafficking is sex trafficking. Track of It's like squares and rectangles. But. So the specific story I am going to talk about with our survivor, Christine McDonald, is about sex trafficking. I did want to just, like, give a little caveat that there is also another major chunk of human trafficking that is just about forced labor. You are just basically selling people into, slavery. say it with me now, yeah, slavery, as it should be better known. Um, so, yeah, they, they work... For manual labor, they work in people's homes, they work in the backs of restaurants, in the backs of stores, and they are not being paid. They do not have anywhere to live a lot of the time. They have been taken a lot of the time from another country or brought in from another country on some sort of lie about having a job and a visa, and then their passport gets taken away from them, and now they're stuck here working for no money so that is another form of human trafficking that is very big and is happening everywhere and people should be aware of that as well
0: yep indentured servitude
1: yes um yeah because even being if they are by being, their
0: family right to pay off a
1: debt that's never going to get paid off exactly because then like they'll deduct from the money they are getting mm-hmm. over and over and over again for your living expenses for yep. breathing like interest mm-hmm, which is just the way indentured servitude has always been yep that's just Slavery too. Yep. Uh, slavery 2.0. a different 0. name. Yep. Slavery light. Um, so, the Polaris Project, which is a dope organization that is working to end human trafficking, has sort of a definition at the top of their page. Um, human trafficking is a form of modern slavery, a multi-billion dollar criminal industry that denies freedom to 20.9 million people around the world. And no matter where you live, chances are it's happening nearby. From the girl forced into prostitution at a truck stop to the man discovered in a a restaurant kitchen, stripped of his passport and held against his will. All trafficking victims share one essential experience, the loss of freedom. Um, I'm going to talk now about our survivor and her specific story, and then I have just, like, you know, some fun facts and how you can help at the end, so stay tuned, because we should all be paying more attention to this. So, um... I ended up watching a 40-minute talk by Christine McDonalds because she, like, does a lot of talks now about her experience. Did she do a TED Talk? She did not do it. Actually, I didn't see a TED Talk anyway. She might have, you know, everybody and their mother's done a TED Talk now. But the one I watched was for, like, a church group. She's, like, very rooted in faith-based stuff now. But anyway, I did just want to start out by saying... As you hear this story, try to think of it from, I don't know, like, maybe the most adorable woman ever. Like, she's real cute. She's got this thick southern accent. Like, thick with three C's. It is so... And it's like... It's like Bible Belt, Oklahoma... But, like, it's still real cute, because she's really upbeat. She's got this high-pitched voice. She's very funny and self-deprecating, and, like, she'll just stop in the middle of, like, literally the saddest thing you've ever heard and just be like, so, you know how? (laughs) And then just go off on a tangent for a second, laugh at herself, and then go back. It's adorable. So, things about Christine. Christine was born in a small town in Oklahoma. I could not find where. It doesn't matter where, because she moved around a ton as a kid. Her father was gone, and her mother suffered from mental illness and alcoholism. Oh. Um By the time she was in eighth grade, she had attended 22 schools.
0: Oh, shit. That's crazy. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, so I'm guessing, like, her mom couldn't really hold down a place to live or a job. Yeah. Maybe was under, you know, had some issues with the law, had to move around a lot. Yep. But she suffered uh, from sexual, emotional, and physical abuse her whole childhood. Yeah. Just, you know... Really, gearing up for an amazing life. Because mom probably didn't bring home the best men. Probably not. Um, so, for much of her like early life, she was constantly running away from home, and she was in and out of the justice system—halfway homes, juvie, over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, as as young people tend to do, she dealt with a lot of these problems with drugs and self harm. So that's mm-hmm. great. So she's bopping between this terrible life of running away and doing drugs and hurting herself and then getting into the prison system. So then Christine ran away one more time at the age of 15. So she ended up in what she calls a big city. I'm not sure. Might have been Kansas City, might have been St. Louis, uh, somewhere similar, or Tulsa. I have no idea where she is at this point. She never says.
0: Somewhere with a population over 2,000 people.
1: Yeah, somewhere. Um, she's got nowhere to go. She has no food and no clothing. Um, she's like living on the street, basically. Yeah. And she met a man, as tends to happen. Mm. This man asks her to get in a car. And she says, "Uh uh-huh. Because she's 15 and she's done a lot of shit already. And she's homeless. And she's homeless and she has nothing else to do. So she gets in the car and he says, where are you going? She says, nowhere. I'm looking for work, actually. Oh, God. And he says, you're in luck. Oh, God. Yeah. Um. Don't tell random dudes that you're looking for work. I, Christine, it's not your fault, but, like, just let's all learn from Christine. Don't tell strange men you're looking for work. <laughs> Do you know how you have a bat in your house? What? Sleeping. <gasps> Holy shit. Um... Oh, my God.
0: Pause oh, the podcast. Pause the podcast. Actually, here's the thing. I really like bats. I, I do just too, have... but like, I also don't like them flying around my right. head. Well, Bay he's sleepings. been there the whole
1: dang time, and hopefully if we don't disturb him, it'll be chill.
0: Yeah. Mr. Bat? Animal services will come out here for free and remove him. I will see if we need that, because Jake's
1: also pretty good at it. We haven't had a bat in here in a while, but we've had multiple bats. They come out from the basement. Ah. Uh.
0: Um, yeah, you should see. He's really cute. He's
1: I love him. He seepins. He's a seepiest boy. Just um, keep an eye on that for me, would you? It's weird that it's behind me.
0: Yeah. So keep talking. Keep talking. Cool. Go fast. Um,
1: this is now forever the episode where there was a bat. <laughs> <laughs> so, this man, as they tend to do, offered her a job. She's fifteen, and a place to live. And was like, and she's like, oh, hell yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and break this vicious cycle that has been my life forever so far. And I'm going to take this opportunity. And no one can blame her for that. But she is a child and doesn't really know what's happening. And here's the thing. It's not terrible at first. As happens in these cases, he was really nice to her. He never behaved inappropriately with her. He fed her. He gave her drugs, like fun party drugs. He gave her a place to live. He um, got her, like, this new ID um, where her name was Stacy.
0: Built her a whole life.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Gave her everything she never Mm -hmm. had and was genuinely pretty decent to her. Probably one of the only people she has ever encountered that has not
0: hurt her. Didn't ask for anything up front.
1: Yeah. She says multiple times in the talk, he became my safe person. I trusted him. So... It starts to get a little weird eventually. Again, sure. as does she's yeah. being groomed. Yeah, she says that openly in the talk. She stops in the middle of a sentence. Goes, "I was being groomed, by the way." Yeah. Like, yeah, cool. I'm glad yeah. that you uh, that you're aware. We're still just looking at the bats so much. So the the time he gives her that idea, it says Stacy, and he says, "I've got a job for you. You are going to go into strip clubs and you are going to sell trinkets to the men who are there to watch women dance." Totally normal. Super not weird thing to ask okay. a 15-year-old to do. Definitely not just getting her into a strip club to get acquainted with the clientele and what a strip club is like. Totally subtle, fine. It's subtle. Mm-hmm. So, but otherwise, this guy seems dece. And then one day, this guy introduces her to his brother and says, I have to go away for a while, and you're going to live with him now. Uh-oh. And I don't even know if they were really brothers. She was just like, that's what okay. he said. So this is when her real job started, unfortunately. She was specifically escorted into the back rooms of strip clubs to give private shows for men. She's 15. She can't work there legally. So she would be brought in by a group of dudes from the car to the back door straight into some private room where throughout the course of the night, 15 to 20 men would be waiting for her. And also she's doing drugs basically all the time. That's a way to get through it. Uh Uh-huh. That was exactly what she said. It was not ju- It was a way to get through what just happened and a way to gear up for what was about to happen. Yep. And it was happening so often, yeah, basically high all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For three years, she did that. Until eventually, like, even the drugs and the sort of, like, the despair and the uncertainty couldn't stop her from being just, as she put it, like, so noncompliant. Like, she just wouldn't do anything they wanted her to do. Which is hilarious to me, oh but she was just like, mm, "Nah, <laughs> like,
0: like, no matter just like how, laying how out on a couch, just like, mm-mm, mm-mm, not today.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think it's I'll fight you instead. Not
0: feeling it. Yes, it's not feeling it. So
1: it was actually just easier for them to let her go, which is crazy. I've never
0: heard of that before, but they just let her go at the age of eighteen. Well, she had no as far as they knew familial ties no one was looking for her nobody's gonna report them she would them. basically go back out to the street Right. they were probably expecting her to just die
1: Probs. it's just so interesting that like instead of making even a little bit of money off of her they were like no fuck her we can't deal with this anymore <laughs> like, but like good for you I guess like killing it anyway it's, it's not great even then though because yeah like you said she's back out on the streets she's got nothing this is a shitty sentence that I have to say. For the next seventeen years, oh God, Christine was homeless, addicted to drugs, and she worked as a sex worker out on the street. Like, not like the kind with any control. Like, you know, we say sex work worker now instead of prostitute, but sometimes like sex worker sounds like the woman has some control in the situation. Like, there's things like that, escort services. Yeah, not this type. Um, She's out on the streets. Sometimes she was under the control of a pimp and sometimes not. Um, This is a quote that I had to type as she was saying it and go back and hear it multiple times, which sucked. (laughs) In that journey, I have been stabbed. I was held at gunpoint and told to dig my own shallow grave. I was held captive, zip-tied, and walked into a basement covered in plastic. I thought I was going to die there. This man brutally sodomized me, raped me, and beat me, and then he branded me with a cattle iron. Like, and she just says that like it's just some of the shit she went through over 17 years. It's crazy. Like, that's not even the point of her story. She's just like, by the way, that happened too. Christine, my sweet baby. Oh, God. Um... Over this time, she was also arrested 103 times. Oh, shit. If we want to talk about, like, miscarriages of justice, it's like, you know this woman
0: is that's on the street. It's like, <laughs> like the theme of this episode. Yes, it appears that's to be. That's our accidental theme. Mm-hmm. Miscarriages of justice. The
1: police not doing big time what they should be doing. Yes. She was in prison seven times. Because sometimes they just, you know, pick her up and be like, all right, get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. You know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and we know you're not going to stop. In fact, there was like one, she said there was a story of one cop who took her in so many times. He was like, I wish you'd just die so I don't have to deal with bringing you in every week. Like horrible. Uh, Not as horrible as this. Um, (laughs) Christine herself unfortunately used to pray to die. She was even then a very religious woman. And at that point she was like, man, it'd be cool if I was just dead. But eventually she got to a point where she felt like she wasn't even like worthy of dying because it was like a blessing to be able to just be free of this. Right. And it never happened. So she just thought I'm not even, I'm not even worthy of that. It's real dark down here. Like, I'm very sorry. I promise that there's like a, there's like a light coming. Not right in this moment. But in a few moments. Okay. So Christine is sitting outside a church one day. Praying to God for death. And a man pulls over in his car to pick her up in broad daylight. Because no one gives a shit in this city at this time. Um, and he takes her to a hotel. And he beats her and he rapes her. And then, because he's one of the sicker fuckers that she's dealt with. He pulls a gun. And he tells her to get on her knees and beg for her life. And it's funny how that happens because mm. she was just praying to die. So she's like, I couldn't do it. I didn't want to live. So she wouldn't beg. And apparently that pissed him off. According Perhaps, to her. He
0: can't get off.
1: But yeah. According to her, like he didn't have any power. Yeah. So now what's he going to do? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't shoot her. Because he's also a coward. Yeah. Like, that's not what he came there to do.
0: Chicken shit little man who just wants to get off on a power trip.
1: Exactly. And she took that away from him. So he decides to punish her by trying to rape her again. And she sees an opportunity to grab his gun. Hmm. So she does. She grabs the gun from his hand, puts it to his head, and tells him to get on his knees and beg for his life. (laughs) (laughs) Because Christine is done with your shit. Oh, shit. I'm very proud of her. This man starts crying. He says, I have a job and a wife and a family and I can't die cause I'm valuable. And this is like the straw. Cause he, she's just been listening to him while he beats her. Tell her how unvaluable she is. What a piece of shit, how worthless she is. And now he suddenly deserves to live after everything he's done because he's valuable. She thinks it's like a God thing that she didn't pr- pull the trigger. She really wanted to. But she was like, I don't think Jesus would like that. I probably would have. Either way, she takes the bullets out of the gun, empties them onto the floor, chucks the gun at his head, <laughs> and gets the fuck out of there. And then that night, she's, she flees the scene. She's just sort of out in her regular area getting high, trying to forget. And she gets picked up by the police. And she very vaguely puts it, this getting picked up and hearing about this story is what finally sets her getting through a series of events to get out of this life. Like somebody finally looks at this situation in which she had to almost die and defend herself to finally say, okay, we're going to get you some help. Mm -hmm. So after that, she starts to rebuild her life. She gets off of drugs. She gets put in like different homes for people who are in recovery. And she finally makes it out. The aftermath is, um, a few years later, Christine was unfortunately faced with kind of another challenge, but to her, it super seems like nothing. She got pregnant and she wanted to have a baby daughter and she had a condition that meant like if she wanted to keep her pregnancy, she was going to lose her eyesight. I, I don't know how,
0: um, it's due to high blood pressure. So if your blood pressure goes up, your pressure in your eyes can also go up. And if it hits a certain (sighs) point, it can cause a retinal detachment. And we actually had a call today for a possible double retinal detachment that they've been like hanging out with for like two weeks. Which, don't do that. Guys, don't.
1: So she decides she's going to keep the baby and she's going to go blind. She is 100% blind now. When I watched her do this thing... Like the first five minutes of her pitch was like just her laughing at being blind. Like she is so sweet and upbeat about it. Like it, it just does not matter to her. That is by far the least of her troubles. And she seems like a very happy person now, regardless. Um, Christine has since also written a memoir called Cry Purple. One Woman's Journey Through Homelessness, Crack Addiction and Prison and Prison to Blindness, Motherhood and Happiness. It's a long book title, but just remember Cry Purple. And then she also wrote um it looked self-published, but I did find something called The Same Kind of Human Seeing the Marginalized and Exploited Through Eyes of Grace. Um and Uh, Finally, she is also the Director of Advocacy for the Restoration House in the greater Kansas City area, Mm -hmm. which is a long-term faith-based recovery program which includes housing for victims of sex trafficking. So she's kind of fucking killing it. Yeah. Like, she's also paid to just, like, go around and talk about her story and talk about marginalized people and how we should be helping them and, like, the Christian way to be, too, a lot of the time. So that's... That
0: people lose sight of.
1: Yes, for sure. yes. So... I did just want to like, there were a couple of things that Christine said that I was like, dang, rad." She like stopped her story at one point because she'd been talking about her pimp. And she was like, I just want to say many of the brutal things that happened to me weren't even done. Most of the brutal things that happened to me weren't done by my pimp. They were done by the men paying for sex. We can criminalize pimps and we can criminalize sex workers But it is equally important that we address this fact that, like, there are men out there paying for sex. And that is the reason why these people have a business. That is the reason why people get taken from their homes and sex trafficked. The industry wouldn't exist if there weren't people out there consuming the product. It's like that with any, like, any job.
0: Economics 101.
1: Yes, capitalism 101. Because, like, yeah, you can get mad at, like, the bosses.
0: Supply and demand.
1: For not having, like, correct working conditions for people, but we're still out there buying the stuff. Yep. We're still out there being consumers of certain terrible things. And there are men out there and, and women, and but like women. mostly, me- mostly, men. Mostly, men. <laughs> mostly men, even because men are sex trafficked too. Yes. They're still mostly bought by men. By men.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to give you some general facts and then we're going to talk about how we can help as humans who hate this. Uh uh-huh. One in six runaways will be sold into human trafficking. If you people run away, uh, find them. Find them. Doesn't, I mean, look. And also, a shitty part of that is that most runaways are already in the foster system. So, they don't have people looking for them, and that means foster care is broken.
0: I'm going to get political for a second here. (laughs) Fun. For anyone, I don't know who the fuck is listening, that is, like, super pro-life... I'm not sure. I, it's not really our demographic. No. <laughs> I don't think. But if you're like super religious pro-life listening to this podcast, like props to you for having an open mind. Talk to your friends who are so pro-life, but they aren't pro-adoption and aren't pro-helping the people that are already down on their luck. Mm-hmm. Like our our adoption system is so jacked up. The number of people in foster homes, the number of kids that slip through the cracks, that end up in these kind of lifestyles that mm-hmm. are already probably coming from a very fucked up situation. Oh yeah, that are already broken. Mm-hmm. We need to help them, and not just the unborn babies. Like, mm-hmm.
1: I would. I would argue everything. we need to help them more. They're viable humans with they're, sentience. They,
0: yes, <laughs> <laughs> they actually came out. Yeah, and are already breathing. They're people,
1: <laughs> legally
0: declared people. Yes.
1: They have a social security number. Trump.
0: <laughs> that bitch is still trying to overturn Roe v. Wade.
1: I know. We're going to have to do some fighting in the streets, I think. I think, I think so. I think we might have to bring a club to the streets. Um, okay. <laughs> stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for uh, Uh-Oh Just Fights. Uh-Oh Takes the Streets. <laughs> Uh-Oh Hits Old White Men in the Face. Um, <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> million people are estimated to be trafficked right now across the globe. And it is a a $150 billion industry worldwide. Cool. Uh, How you can help. And if you think of some others, this is just like what I was finding and what I was thinking of. Look for signs around you. Because, again, just because if you don't live in a big city doesn't mean it's not happening.
0: Lafarge.
1: Lafarge. Um. Human trafficking can and is happening pretty much everywhere. It is intentionally hard to spot. You're not supposed to be able to tell, but there are things you can look for. You need to look at the the streets of your cities. Pay attention to in bars and stores to the types of conversations that are happening. Look out for vulnerable-looking people in those situations. Look at the employees in the places you frequent. Uh, People who are employed by individuals as caregivers and house cleaners. like If they're employed by individuals, it is like ten times as easy. To just say, you yeah, know, I'm not paying you and you live in my house and no one's ever going to find out. Yep. I did want to mention there was a woman named Nella who I almost did a story of uh, who, first of all, this is happening to Filipino women at like a crazy rate. Yes, but yeah, like Nella was she was like a like a 60 year old woman and she lost all her money to a bad business deal with a friend who stole it all Oh, and she didn't know how she was going to support her family and she heard about this opportunity in the United States Uh. and mm -hmm, and it was going to be taking care of somebody's elderly mother. She gets there and it's not taking care of somebody's elderly mother. It is being a house cleaner for some rich white couple who make her sleep on a dog bed in the pantry and keep her stuff in the laundry room and uh never paid she worked for them for like six months, and they paid her a total of three hundred dollars Wow, constantly deducting things from her pay, took away her passport, all the same stuff. the neighbors are the ones who eventually were like there's bruises on her like yeah, the wife a... beat her like horrible oh. she was just like a by the end of like she had a civil case and a criminal case, and she won both, which is dope. So she's, awesome. like, retired in the Philippines right now. Hell yeah. Got to go see her family again. Good. But she's, like, 72 years old, and, like, in that culture, like, old older people are supposed to be respected. Mm-hmm. And so she, like, literally could not understand why this was happening. Like, no one would ever treat an elderly person this way. And so... Either way, like, that's the type of stuff that seems to be happening at a crazy rate to, like, Filipino women and women coming into this country from all over the world looking for opportunities and getting taken advantage of. And if you see that sort of thing in your nice suburb, maybe tell somebody.
0: See something, say something.
1: See something, say something is my next bullet point. The National uh, Human Trafficking Hotline. I'm literally going to read the number out. Do it. 1-888-373-7888. That is the National Human Trafficking Hotline. You can report any instance you see that you think is human trafficking. More than 40,000 cases of human trafficking have been reported to that hotline in the last 10 years. Pretty decent. There is also, with the Polaris Project, they have the Be Free Text line, which tends to get a higher rate of actual trafficking victims because like it's easier to text than to speak over the phone. Right. Yeah. So that one is you have to text HELP. To 233-733, which is literally be free. 233-733. And you can get your information to them as well. And hopefully somebody will help you. Also, your local police, if you trust them. (laughs) I understand if you don't.
0: We haven't really inspired a lot of trust in the police in this episode. Yeah,
1: look. I get it. (laughs) I totally get it. But like. They are, they are in certain there to help you in certain areas they are trained to see this sort of thing too yeah. and then also like as just an advocate you can look into anti-trafficking organizations in your area and ask how you can help you can donate money or you can start your own um and then i just as a person who does this ish for a living would encourage you to write or call to your local state or federal politicians about laws that can protect people from exploitation Obviously, there's like a shitload of issues that intersect with this problem from issues with foster care, like we mentioned, Mm -hmm. to drug abuse, to immigration policies that suck, like a whole bunch of shit.
0: But resources.
1: Yes. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things. I would take a look at some websites that are specifically advocating for the end an end to human human trafficking and like see what they say about what laws they would prefer to have passed in Wisconsin. I learned. Um, In the last couple of years, we have passed laws that have made it easier to obtain harsh convictions for traffickers, and also um, our area assembly person put forward a bill um, to decriminalize minors who are forced into sex work, so they do not go to prison for being forced to do that. that doesn't help anyone. Exactly. And then they don't seek help because they're worried about getting arrested. So. That's the sort of thing uh, you guys can do. If you guys have other stuff you think that I just missed... You um,
0: can also check out um, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked at a Girl Scout camp for three years, and we did a week where underprivileged kids could come to camp for free Mm -hmm. for the week. Um, And you hear... A lot of heartbreaking stories. Look into your local foundations, your local youth programs to see if they do anything like that. A summer camp or... Boys and Girls Club. Boys and Girls Club. Big big Brothers, Big Sisters. YMCA, YWCA, Mm -hmm. anything like that um, that takes volunteers so you can spend some time with these kids and get to know them and give them a safe person. That's not going to send them into sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at the very least you putting, you're putting yourself in a situation where you could see something if it was happening. Yeah. You can see the warning signs. You can tell someone there should be resources available within that organization to help prevent this. Mm -hmm. And you can make a difference. So go do it. Yeah. Go Go do it. Be a good citizen. Yes. Help your fellow man. Don't put them down. Don't be an asshole. (laughs)
1: <laughs> quit being an asshole step one hey if anybody is paying for sex who listens to this stop stop it stop it don't knock it off please it's not <laughs> cool and then just like everybody else go go do cool things like that thank yeah. you so much together we can fix it one day at a time
0: i feel ambitious enough i feel like i could i mean i've had just enough champ that i feel like
1: we could fix a lot of things right now
0: like maybe, maybe not the fact that there's the a bat. bat i'm gonna leave that for not your husband
1: bat. <laughs> yeah oh shit you just called him my husband I it's did. so fucking it's weird. So weird it's but so like <laughs> i don't know how to feel about it it's so weird when he gets home though i'm gonna be like um husband, husband. <laughs> if you could uh get the bat out of the house
0: just help it out he does he's look super sapiens. cozy he's on some of our he's soundproofing foam he's
1: Adorable, right now. I can post a picture on our Facebook. Oh, please do. He's probably cozier than he's been in a while, and yeah, I feel kind of bad. he's nice
0: and dry and warm.
1: I don't know how long he's been there though, because I swear to God I haven't seen a bat in here in weeks. Well, hopefully so
0: he's alive. Hopefully,
1: he doesn't look decrepit. He looks fuzzy no, and he shiny. Looks fuzzy
0: and shiny. Yeah. Um. So anyway. things, no, there are literally there are things you can do if you have the power. Like I sent a shit ton of toys when there was an earthquake in in Columbia when I was in, like, sixth grade. I got upset. I collected money from everyone in the school. (laughs) I bought, like, 400 toys. I got to go to the Colombian consulate in Chicago because all of the kids in the hospital made me cards. Like, there are things you can do. There are ways you can go about this if you just suddenly just go, hey, I personally want to fix this. Who's on board? Mm -hmm. I'll back you. Right. So, like... Get going. Yeah. Let's fix the world. Like Uh maybe do something. Maybe tomorrow. Not today. Maybe tomorrow. Since
1: it's like seven o'clock and I still have to edit this podcast. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get on it. Well, um, I love hearing about terrible serial killers and I (laughs) hate hearing about human trafficking. So I hope that was a good mix for you guys, uh, as listeners and otherwise, um, Emily,
0: no, don't do this. (laughs) Don't do this to me. Don't fucking do Say this it with to me. Say it with me. Say no, it with me. I refuse. Say it with me. It's not going to stick. One, We're going to hit two our episode 15. Uh-uh.
1: Don't forget your can of water. I hate you. <laughs> This has been a Daily Gravy production. Thanks for listening.